What up, folks, and welcome to another episode of In the Area Podcast. Your weekly source for wisdom nuggets. In today's episode, we sit down with John Lomax, one of my best friends since middle school. We talk about the crossroads that John reached upon graduating high school. Does he want to continue stealing and potentially end up in jail? Or does he want to gain control of his life and choose to enlist in the military? John also shares a regrettable and never acceptable experience from his childhood involving the use of a racial slur and the consequences it would have not only on the victim, but for himself as well. I also give props to John for having the courage to talk about this in a public way. I believe that we can all learn from our mistakes and strive to make ourselves a better person. If you would like to support our mission of collecting wisdom nuggets and sharing them, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other app that streams podcasts. Enjoy today's episode. And we are live. John Lomax, let's get a round of applause, everybody. Yes. John, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, brother. Yeah, dude. I'm glad to be here. Where are you where are you in from? Let the let the audience know. Oh, I'm in from that that age time, that that dirty scrows down. <laughs> dirty what? <laughs> that town? dirty scrows down. I've never heard that. <laughs> yeah, Houston, Texas. But uh John and I have known each other since sixth grade. We went yeah. to middle school together. Yeah. I'd say our friendship blossomed in seventh grade. However, when you cheated at paintball, and I really kind of—I did not cheat. At you were out the boundaries. You know we don't need to get into it. Like, you what just are you need to talking of, about? You need to live with that. All right, we were at Bram's birthday party, and you shot me from outside the bounds, and no justice oh, was served. I would describe bullshit. it as an egregious miscarriage of justice. <laughs> wow. Okay. Interesting. Well, I—I I have no memory of that, but definitely John. I do. John Bram and I were the three <laughs> amigos. Yeah. Well, what's? I'm, I'm curious to hear from your perspective. What is your story? Uh, okay. So you know, born to. Uh, immigrant mom uh, and um, you know my dad who's born in Austin um, my mom was born in Preston England which is uh, um, known for being an exceptional shithole <laughs> you know it's like an old kind of like you know blue collar town that you know manufacturing is kind of leaving so it's 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 kind of fallen you know just over time kind of fallen it's like a shitty place Long story short, you know, um, and then she met my dad in Spain and then they came to America, got married, had me under some odd circumstances that involved me being born in Nashville. I think it was like a layover. I'm pretty sure. What <laughs> you does know, that mean? I don't, I don't like, so they were living in Houston, I think, but I was just inexplicably born in Nashville, <laughs> you know, really haven't quite nailed down okay. why. That's you know? fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway. Um, yeah, parents got divorced when I was about 12. Well, you uh, didn't talk about your dad at all. Okay. Yeah. My dad is a uh, writer. Uh, most of my family going back on the male side have been writers. Yeah, um, really cool line of family. Yeah, uh, we actually, yeah, no, Alan Lomax is like kind of our big, Alan and John Lomax are like the significant uh, people and they, uh, you know, not like they didn't produce anybody super famous or anything like that, but it's more like culturally significant. You know, you had Lead Belly who's, you know. Famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of, you know, it inspired a lot of like stuff like Nirvana. And, and Alan like Lomax is your great great grandfather. Yeah, and he was also like a like if you ever study music history, like his name will yeah, come up. Yeah, it'll come up. Yeah, actually, I found out recently they did a drunk history episode mm. on it. Yeah, it was kind of cool. It, it, it was like one of those ones where it's like three different short stories in one. But uh, I still haven't seen it. But uh, <laughs> you know, it was. I think 
No, it wasn't Diego that sent it to me, but yeah. Someone sent it to you. Yeah, no. Yeah. It seemed pretty interesting. Very cool. Yeah. But you come from a line of writers. Yeah, no. And that's uh, that's kind of what I want to do ultimately. A bit of a cop out. Grew up regular, or relatively normal. Uh, you know, just kind of you know, went to public schools around Houston growing up. And then around 12, my parents got divorced. And I'd say that was kind of hard for me just because like, I think it was handled pretty poorly just on all sides, you know? And like, that was kind of like a you know, rough age for it to yeah. happen. Divorce, you know? divorce sucks. Yeah. And, um, you know, like they didn't handle it very well. Like they hated each other and shit, you know? Uh, my mom actually fucking just punched my dad in the face at one point. Oh my that. gosh. Yeah. When, when, when he served her the divorce papers. Um, Did you see it happen? No, I didn't see it happen. Uh, wow. But I fuck with it. That's big dick <laughs> energy right there. <laughs> yeah. No, I would say like my mom is honestly one of the, uh, strongest people I know, uh, just because she, wow. you know, she came from a very different lifestyle, came here after my dad divorced her, you know, she, uh, got her degree and then, uh, you know, became a teacher, you know, while raising me and my sister, uh, which, you know, I'm very thankful for. And then, um, you know, my dad is a, like, he's not a bad dad at all. Um, but you know, I think he, he struggles with a lot of what I struggle with, you know, just, um, focus and like structure and stuff like that. But, you know, he didn't have the benefit of unfortunately having to join the military, which I'll get into in a second. But uh, so he didn't get at least like the modicum of structure that I got. He got like the opposite. He kind of inherited a lot of money from a deceased relative around my age. And he's like never really had to take care of himself. Um, so, you know, but, you know, he's a really good guy. He's a very talented writer and he's a smart guy. After graduating, I spent like 18 to 20 Mainly, you know, just fucking around, shoplifting. <laughs> <laughs> to be blunt. <laughs> yeah, to be blunt. Um, fucking got pretty into that. And then at a certain point, I was like, okay, it's a sober evaluation of my life. I'm either going to end up in prison or I'm probably going to die, you know, if I follow this path. So one day it's called the Army Recruiter's Office and uh, I just sent it. Like, it's either you can, you can drown, you know, or you can, you, can, you can fight back. You know, you can fix yourself or you can take steps to, you know, address the glaring issues in your life before they leave an irreversible impact. Damn. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, and then after that, I just called the Army Recruiter's Office. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people would say they would never expect me to join the military. You know, I was never that type of person. Um, but I'm extremely thankful for the choice that I made then because, you know, that, that was probably the best decision I ever made in my life. And it was a really good experience. It was, it was very eye-opening for me. Uh, just in terms of like, I'd say particularly, you know, especially with everything that's going on right now, one of the biggest things was like, I grew up in a very liberal household and like, you know, I'd never considered myself to be a racist or anything near it. But I realized that before the army, I would like subconsciously like write people off. I wouldn't look down on them, but I'd be like, you know, okay, like your culture is so different. Like I don't really see us, you know, being friends. I'd, I wouldn't know what to talk about with you and stuff like that. But you know, having to work with people from different cultures and really getting out of my bubble and having to, you know, work under people from different cultures, you know, um, really kind of, you know, it, it's like a turning point or like a real interesting point for me was when I, I guess like I started to like notice qualities in people from like vastly different cult cultures that I would notice in my friends, you know? So I'd be like, oh, you've got like this type, like sense of humor, you know? And then I was like, oh shit, you know, like I've been like, kind of like riding off like a, a large majority of the human population as like, you know, people I can't, you know, fuck with. And in reality, it's like, I've really just been missing out on a lot of like interesting and like very cool people, wow. you know? Um, 
what a what a special realization. Yeah, and, no. And that's what we're all about here on in the area podcast is coming together, you know, just seeing the humanity and everyone regardless of what their identity is. But yeah, I would say ultimately like my my time in the military was a great experience. I made a lot of good friends there. Uh, I spent a little bit of time in Korea, uh, about 8 months, you know, Camp Casey, which is uh, about 15 miles from the DMZ or 15 kilometers. And uh, that was another really cool experience. You know, I, I never, you know, was super interested in like East Asian culture and experiences. Um, I, you know, I'd been to Europe before and I really liked that because I just, you know, very much so had a cultural connection to it. And I liked the, uh, the history and the architecture and stuff. Um, and so I kind of looked like, you know, like I looked at what, yeah, like cities like, you know, Seoul and stuff is like urban hellscapes. But then, you know, I kind of realized it's like, you know, it's there. There is something to this. You know, like it's a very interesting culture there, where you kind of have like a lot of the, the East Asian like kind of re, like suppression, like repression type of stuff. Like you know, everybody's very reserved. But then on the weekends, it's just like turn the fuck up. You know, it's like everybody's getting trashed. I remember me and my friend went to Seoul, and we were walking back, and um, from this bar, and there's this dude just passed the fuck out on the ground. You know, and we're like, oh shit, dude, is this guy breathing? So we started trying to do some like you know first aid on him. And we're you know, checking his pulse and stuff. And uh, we're trying to put him on his side. And out of nowhere, like this, like, we like attract a crowd as we're trying to do this. And like this dude's like roommate runs out of nowhere and like starts trying to give this guy CPR. And it's like, okay, like he's breathing. Like he's fine. You know, like you're right, just going right. to break his ribs. And, um, you know, fucking like we get into this altercation. And then like additionally, just out of nowhere, like a gaggle of just like French girls just comes at us, dude. And they're like, he's a nursing student. He knows what he's talking about. You stupid American. Blah, 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 blah. You know, we're just like, whoa, shit. You know? And then uh, the, the funny thing is a group of Russian dudes comes out of nowhere and they're like, no, 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 they're right. You know? And it was the strangest <laughs> alliance, dude, where it's like, you know, I think they might've been military too. I don't know what they were doing there, you know, but we're just like, you know, like, a, like American Russians, you know, just being like, no, get the fuck out of here, you know? <laughs> Um, but yeah, we ended up getting an ambulance out there and he was all right and stuff. Um, but yeah. It's, Weird. Uh, what, what does that story demonstrate, you think? Uh, you know, just kind of you know, all the, all this hate and shit, you know, most of it, I'd say 95% of it is just, it's not real. You know, it's, it's, it's some shit that we've made up. You know, it's like, I, I noticed this in basic too, a little bit. And it's not really, I guess I don't really mesh with the idea of it being made up, but like a lot of people in basic, I really liked and I really got along with. And then I looked on their social media and I was like, oh no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you're, you're a bad person, you know, <laughs> like you're pretty racist and you know, you're not, you're not great, but, uh, you know, um, you know, so it's just kind of interesting. Like when you don't have these pre preconceived notions about people, you know, and in situations like that, I, I it's really kind of fascinating how people can come together, you know, across boundaries and cultures. Yeah. So what do you, what is more important, how they are in re real life or what they're like on social media? <sighs> It's a difficult question because I think because so much of the world is dominated by republics and democracies, it's, it's hard to excuse somebody fostering beliefs that they're going to vote on and is going to harm, in my opinion, you know, American citizens or whatever, you know, or you know what I'm saying. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing because, you know, I want to like people, but at the same time, you know, I feel like a traitor because there have been, you know, a lot of people of, you know, you know, ethnic minorities that I've worked under, worked for, worked with that like I respect and I've looked up to 
And like, so when people like, you know, share like racist ideals and stuff like that and just say, you know, fucking foul shit, it's just like, it really stresses me out because like, I feel like either I have to say something about it and kind of ruin the vibe, you know, or feel like a traitor, you know, like feel like I'm sacrificing my values just so I can have a good time. Wow. You know? What a dilemma. Yeah. And, you know, there's a couple of friends now that I, I genuinely don't know if I can continue to be friends with them because it just seems like every time I hang out with them, it's, it's like stress. It's, it's so agitating, you know, because it's like, it feels like the more I call people out, the more they do it to get under my skin. And, you know. Yeah. Listeners, I'm, I'm curious what your strategies are for situations like these. I don't have the answer. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I'm curious to see how people deal yeah, with these situations. Yeah, I'd love to get some input on that because, you know, there's the selfish aspect of like, I don't want to end up being that asshole with no friends, you know? And, but there's like, I don't, I'm, I can't. You really- got to stand, you got to stand up for what you believe at a certain point, right? You yeah. Know? And it, there's strategies to be like, you know, peaceful about it and, you know, come from a place of reformation in those kind of conversations. It yeah. doesn't have to be an attack on their character. It can just mm-hmm. be like, hey, I noticed something on your, Instagram or on your Facebook that I'd like to discuss further. Yeah, no, and and this, to be clear, I don't think any of my good friends, like the two instances that I named or that I, you know, said are are, are more so people that I interact with, you know, on a personal basis. You know, one of them is somebody I've been friends with for, you know, a long time. And, um, yeah, it's just... It's, it's 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 difficult because you know breaking up with a friend is just weird you know and it's like th- but then the other option it's like it comes passive it comes off as cross as like passive aggressive if I don't like say like you know if I you hit me up and I just never reply or whatever you know right I mean you, there's a missed opportunity to to change someone's mind about it mm-hmm. yeah but, but the, it's like I put in so much energy with this person right. and so much work it, it's it just it, and there have been times where like I've gotten them to change their mind but then what's really upsetting is they go back. You know, and it doesn't right. leave any like lasting impact, and it's right. just like that's really kind of frustrating and difficult to see. You and know? you know, with the people that you spend a lot of time around, you want them to be propelling you forward. You know, you want to be growing together. Exactly. If, 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 if they're going to bring you down, then that kind of energy is going to be long term detrimental to you. So yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a balance for sure. Ultimately, yeah, and you know, I also kind of think that if somebody's your friend, you know, and, and you like them, it, it might it it's kind of your duty to do this type of stuff. You have to hold your friends accountable, you know? Um, but it's just like yeah. difficult, especially when you get into like the group dynamic of stuff, you right, know, right, and stuff right. like that. It's just, I don't know. Well, zooming out a little bit, what are your priorities in life? What do you value? Um, honestly, I guess one of my biggest things would be like bravery, but not in the context. Like I, I do think like, you know, battlefield bravery and stuff is obviously admirable, but like, you know, Social bravery, I think, is something that's extreme. Like a lot of the people that throughout history that really stood out to me have been people who have stood up against the way of things, the status quo, the, you know, even when everybody was telling them they were, they were wrong, you know, or, or whatever, you know, it's like they knew whatever was happening was wrong, you know, and they believed in themselves and, you know, had enough conviction that, you know, they, they committed to that and they wouldn't let other people change their mind, you know? And those are the type of things that really, uh, you know, kind of inspire me because, you know, the, the just altruism on that level is something that like, I don't think you, th- you see regularly in humanity at all, or maybe at least it doesn't, it doesn't get called out as much, you know? Um, and it's, it's just really kind of inspiring to see people who, you know, are just willing to put the, the lives of others before their own because 
they know it's the right thing to do. You were using an example yesterday about that slave trader who who all of a sudden had a realization that what he was doing was horrible. Yeah, and what really resonated with me about that- Do you remember the guy's name? I don't, unfortunately. I think it was Thomas something, but what really resonated with me about him was the fact that he was a slave trader. So he had to accept at a certain point that not only was everything his nation was doing was wrong, but everything he was doing was wrong and that maybe he would never be able to make up for that, you know? But like, that doesn't mean you don't have to still try, you know? And like, that's something that's just really admirable to me. And, you know, I don't think he can ever make up for what he did, but I think, you know, at least he tried, you know? And that shows an ability to change, you know, which is something that like, you know, I don't say, I wouldn't say people never change, you know, like that's a cliche and I don't really believe it, but you know, it's like change is difficult. It's hard, you know, right. especially on that scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was another one that just came to mind. Um, again, I can't name him because I'm terrible with names, but uh, during World War II, he was the uh, like Japanese consul to Germany. Um, and uh, essentially what he did was he stuck his, like he realized what was going to happen to the Jewish people. And he wrote a shit ton of passports to Japan for the uh, Jewish, uh, like a large portion of, of, or like a large population of Jewish people in a, in living in Germany. And um, as like the last time he was seen, or I think he's, I think he was fine, but like, you know, the last time he, he was officially seen in Germany was like, you know, he was like getting carted away on a train and he's like still writing passports like out the window, you wow. know, and like that type of stuff, like, especially in a culture as like restrictive as Japan, you know, and it's unified. It's like, that takes unbelievable bravery to do that you know mm. a- a- and like the fact you know like this man knew that like uh, basically to him there was likely no benefit you know like there was a solid possibility he could have been executed for that and i'm surprised he wasn't to be mm-hmm. honest and you know like just being willing to do that you know and and just being like able to see like when something is so morally wrong that you have to intervene even if it's not in your personal best interest is something that is, again, just extremely admirable to me. Wow. And you're currently studying journalism. Mm -hmm. What do you want to, what would you like to write about? Well, so, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to say exactly because journalism is a field that's changing every day. You know, it's like with the advent of the internet and the fall of like newspapers and stuff like that, you, you have this a lot more, it's called citizen journalism you know, a lot more. So you have like YouTubers, people posting shit to Twitter, right as it happens and stuff like that. And um, so, you know, ultimately, like if I were to heavily invest in the field of journalism, I would like to be like an investigative reporter or something like that, you know, because I, I do feel like like people are out here getting away with shit that they really should not be. And something has to be done about it. Um, and people need to know about it. But um, ultimately, like really why I want to do journalism is because I, I just like to write. You know, I, I really enjoy it. And, but, you know, like I would like to do some creative writing and stuff like that. You know, it's not really a major and it's not really a, uh, you know, a solid field for lack of a better word. So, you know, journalism for me is basically just like a, uh, it's like the concrete, it's like the, you know, kind of concrete option for writing. You know, it's like you can go into journalism and then you have like a kind of a profession, you have a job, you know, and there from there you can kind of branch out, do different writing, write books, stuff like that. And um, I really feel like I have something to say and I, you know, I have a voice and, you know, I really want to get it out there. And, you know, like, I don't know, it, it, at times, like, it's just like this world we live in is just so, so, so frustrating. <laughs> you know, it's just like all of the shit, it, it's just sometimes you just feel powerless 
as a citizen. You know, you just don't, like, all these corporations, all this, like, bureaucracy, you know, all this police violence. It's like, you know, we don't have any power. We don't have a voice, you know? And it's like, I feel like I'm reminded by, by that every single day, you know, in one way or another. And, you know, like, this is definitely just because I'm, you know, kind of just <laughs> perhaps maybe an angry person. But, you know, um, it's, it's, it's just like, I feel like I need to get it out, you know, because it, it just, it, it just feels so, you know, like, I don't know, it feels like there's like a storm or something, like it sounds pretentious, but like, you know, like, a, there's just something inside of me that I have to let out, you know, like, because otherwise like I pan it up and then I'll, I'll I just get so angry, dude. And I'll just like, I'll, I'll lash out at, you know, people who I think have like, you know, regressive political opinions and stuff like that, you know, and I'll, I'll, I will really do my best to be mean to them, you know, uh, which is not a good thing at all. Um, do you apologize to those people? Hmm, no. Because yeah. uh, they still hold the same beliefs. And it's just like, you know, I, I think at a certain point, again, like moral absolution, it's like. Would you apologize for the tone maybe that you used? <sighs> I don't know, because I've talked to you about this before, or yeah. maybe I have, you know, where I think people take too much of a diplomatic approach to situations that don't warrant diplomacy. So actually that Facebook status I posted uh, that was like, you know, super long winded. I was, uh, I, I'd gotten kind of drunk and I had like a huge fucking justice boner about it. I was feeling real fucking on top of myself. You know, I posted this long winded thing, you know, being very emphatic. You know, I was just like, you're a traitor if you don't support this, da, 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 you know? And you know, I come away from them like, yeah, I'm fucking dope. You know, <laughs> like, uh, and um, somebody from, I knew from middle school, uh, put, commented on the status and was like, this is funny coming from you. And to be clear, she was a black girl. And uh, I, um, you know, was like, wait, what? And it turned out I had said some, you know, pretty like repugnantly racist shit to her when I was like roughly 12. And, you know, I think I had like initially, you know, it's funny because like, you know, I, that was like a biggest fall for me where it was like going from like, you know, being like, fuck you, yeah, I'm like social justice daddy, dude, you know, to like being like, no, you're a dick too. You know, and, uh, but it was, it was eye-opening for me, um, because I realized, you know, again, my instant reaction was like, you know, I was 12, like, I didn't know what I was saying. And like, you know, that was true, but I don't think that excuses it at all. Cause like, I really, I realized something with this interaction with her where, you know, it was like, first of all, I'd forgotten about this and she'd remembered it, you know? And, you know, so like, I think that really showed to me, I guess, like for lack of a better word, what white privilege was where it's like, you know, we were all awkward and like insecure 12 year olds in seventh grade, you know, especially me, I was a weird kid. And uh, I was thinking if, you know, at the time being that ball of insecurities and anxiety that I was, if somebody had, if there had existed a word that could, you know, call me out racially, like, you know, you can with, with black people or, you know, like I exist with, with black people, it, it, you know, it, um, that would have wrecked me, you know? And, um, yeah, it was just kind of like, it was eye-opening for me because I realized, you know, like, it's like... And to be clear, you called her that word. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, it was, it was yeah, it was eye-opening to me because it's like, this is this is white privilege right here. It's, it's the ability to do something like that and then forget about it, you know? And I don't know, like, that, that shit, and, you know, she said some shit that, like, need, like, a 100%, like, you know, I needed to hear. You know, but it's a you know still very hard to read. You know, because like again, 
I've always considered myself to be a very like anti-racist person. And, you know, to see that I was complicit or I was, I participated in, in racism at a, at a point and it was rather egregious was, you know, I, I felt sick with myself and, you know, I remember, you know, I was apologizing to her and stuff. And, you know, she said like something that really resonated with me and really hit hard was like, you know, you were one of my first experiences with, you know, racism and, you know, like, like neither one of us will ever, you know, like the, we'll never get over that really, you know, like that, you, neither one of us can really forget that, you know? And, um, yeah, that, that really resonated with me. And, you know, again, it was a very eye-opening experience. And, you know, it, on the off chance that she listens to this podcast, you know, I'd like it again, so, you know, apologize. And, you know, I know that's kind of meaningless, but, and probably more so for my own, you know, sense of feeling good about myself because I know I can really, never really undo that. Um, but, you know, now I look at that and I'm just like, you know, the only way I can really, you know, try to make up for something I've done like that is to, you know, do the right thing, you know, to call people out when they're being racist, to, you know, not associate with people who, you know, hold those types of beliefs and, you know, to do my very best in whatever capacity I may to, you know, spread the cause of, you know, equality and of, you know, unity. Um, but yeah, that's something that, you know, definitely it's hard to live with that I did. You know, it's, it's something that like, again, like really kind of triggers a feeling of disgust with myself, you know. Um, but again, you know, like I've, I'm really glad she said something because, you know, better I find out now, you know, than become, end up looking like a real asshole later in the future when I'm like, you know, real gassed up on myself being a, you know, anti-racist or whatever. But um, yeah, I'm glad I got the opportunity to talk about it because, you know, I, I feel like I never publicly admitted, you know, culpability or re responsibility for it. And, um, you know, to be clear, like, I don't know if I've like minced words at all, but like, yes, like I did this, you know, and like, this is something that like, again, like I'm never going to live down. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm glad to have the opportunity to be able to better myself, you know, through, you know, the, the mistake I made. And I think that's a very powerful sentiment and experience, you know, converting something wrong into something meaningful mm -hmm. by actively going forward. And I do think at a certain point you can forgive yourself. Yeah. I, I just don't, I guess I don't see it as necessary. You know, it's like to forgive yourself. Yeah. Because it's like, this is something that like is going to stick with me for the rest of my life. And I'm going to, you know, if I have children heavily impart on them because of the way it made me feel, you know? And I think that having these bad feelings can be a good thing. You know, it's like, I did something bad. I deserve to feel bad about it, you know? Mm. And I just need to channel that into, you know, something productive and something better, you know? I remember thinking like, you know, if they told my parents, I'd, I'd fucking skin me alive, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, it's like, I don't know. I think, I, I, I think you can forgive yourself and, and you can move forward. It sounds like you've taken, taken the, it sounds like you've taken the right lesson away. I mean, not, you know, to, to have the self-awareness to recognize what you mm -hmm. did was wrong Yeah, is huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I kind of, it 
reinforces, I guess, like the idea of cancel culture, which, you know, we've talked about before. And like, I, I guess it's hard to say you don't agree with it because I don't think it's like an organized movement, but like, you know, on the surface, I don't agree with it, but I think it's necessary because, you know, saying things like that as a child, you don't understand it, right? So like some certain people, I almost feel like in order to enact social change and to emphasize this as being so wrong, it's like a few people are going to have to be canceled, you know? And if, if, if that were me and, you know, I end up eating my words here, you know, well, then so be it. Um, you know, if I, if I had to, you know, put my, I think ultimately if you have to put your own like life down essentially for the, the betterment of society, you know, even if you're reviled or whatever for it, it's, it's, you know, it's what you need to do. Um, so well, if, if you, if you do truly have the mission of being anti-racist in the future and correcting that wrong by step standing out mm -hmm. and, and speaking up against it, then cancel culture wouldn't really benefit the world for you. And, and just to be clear to my listeners, I am very anti-cancel culture. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think that I believe that people are always capable of change yeah. at any point in their life under the right conditions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I agree to a certain extent. It's, it's, it's just like people are capable of change, but they don't always want to change, you know? And then, and if they don't want to, they won't. And, you know, I, I don't, I, I've, I don't really know enough about it, but like it, it just, it seems like to me, like, you know, if, if we're really going to emphasize to children how wrong this is, you know, it's like, we need to publicly, you know, call it out almost, you know, and I, I know like totally we talk, call it out. Right. Yeah. We, yeah. We've, and I distinguish between calling people out, call out culture, I think is the name for it and cancel culture. Cause call out culture gives people an opportunity to modify their behavior. Yeah. So John, what do you think is the main takeaway from your story? Stand up for people would be what I would say. You know, I, I think there's nothing more disgusting that I see throughout history than people you know, standing idly by while others are disenfranchised or marginalized or what have you, you know? So I would just ask people to, you know, really think how they would like to be remembered, you know, because one, I think I've told you this before, but there's a, a picture, you know, I saw in school at a very young age, you know, and many people have seen it where it's uh, during desegregation and, um, or the desegregation of schools. And uh, you, there was, uh, you know, a little black girl around like the age of 12, it looked like walking down the road with, you know, National Guard lining the streets around her, you know, protesters barely contained. And, you know, she's obviously terrified for her life. And you can see in the background, there's a fully grown woman screaming at this like 13 year old girl, dude. And it's like, is that how you want to be remembered? You know, because like, that's how it's going to happen, you know? And it's like, history does not mince words either, you know? It's like, no one's going to be like, no one's going to look at the police violence of, you know, 20th to 21st century America and be like, oh, well, that police officer, you know, he probably had right to shoot. You know, it's going to be like, a lot of people were dying from police, you know? And that's how it's going to be remembered. So like, you know, that woman, she might've been able to change, you know, but it doesn't fucking matter, you know, because that's how she's going to be remembered. So the, the primary wisdom nugget to take away here is stand up for the people that you see are being wrong. Exactly. Yeah. And if not for, you know, altruism or more or moral reasons, just for your own selfish, you know, reasons of not wanting to look like an asshole 200 years in the future, you know, or 50 years in the future shit, you know? Mm. Yeah. Well, folks, there you have it, John. Thank you so much for, hey, thanks for having me. sitting down on in the area podcast. 
folks, you, you got the wisdom, wisdom nugget takeaways. Stand up for what is wrong when you see it. Be vocal. We all remember that first experience where we felt like put down because of who we are as a person. And it's something I, I clearly remember my experience and we'll probably, I'll probably talk about that you know, mm-hmm. at some later time. Yeah. And uh, just when you do something wrong, I think what you're doing with it is right. Mm-hmm. Being actively, you know, living with it and actively correcting it. Yeah. And you can kind of use that as like almost like a seed, you know, to once you acknowledge that it's wrong, it becomes a seed that you can then grow into a tree of something, you know, much better, you know, a much better, you know, person can grow out of that, mm. you know, repugnant thing you did or whatever. Thank you for making it this far into the podcast. You've leveled up, you've got your wisdom nuggets. And if you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other app that streams podcasts. Have a wonderful rest of your day, night, afternoon.